0: Before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked,
1: before the fans swarm the stands, and before
0: the Hawkeyes take the field, KGYM Sports Radio breaks down this weekend's Iowa football game. This This is Before the Boom.
2: Before the Boom, here's your host, Spencer Wagon.
0: We are back. I think we can officially call this uh, studio the Icebox going forward. It's the Circus Sports Iowa studio, and this is the Before the Boom podcast with the KGYM team previewing the Big Ten opener against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and looking back on six hours and 59 minutes of football at Kiddick Stadium last week against the Nevada Wolfpack. Spencer Wagan, my name. my host Spencer on sports weekday afternoons from 2 until 3 here on KGYM. Uh, Also, we are joined this afternoon, or whenever you're listening to the podcast, by Scott Udash and Mark Dukes. They're across the table from me. They make up the gym class every weekday from 3 until 4 here in KGYM. and uh, One half of the Todd Brommelkamp Show with Alex Kuhn. Todd Brommelkamp himself, he is here. He's got the hat that he is hoping he does not have to eat on on his head upon trying to soften it up <laughs> by the time the season is over we we may uh may get to uh get to that at some point in one of these podcasts but if you listen to Todd's show there is uh, a story behind that hat that uh, something might happen to it if iowa does not surpass a certain win total we'll leave it at that but uh we are here in the kgym studio as uh, we bring you the program uh the podcast here uh for another week and guys uh <laughs> Certainly an interesting contest last week. Iowa got the job done. They, they won the game. I think that's the most important thing. But uh, I don't know about you. It, it's It's kind of tough to glean anything from that just because we had so much Weather delays, or so many weather delays in that uh, in that contest. Todd, you were there. You were in the press box. You were tweeting up a storm uh, during the weather delays. Very entertaining uh, evening. Following you on well, Twitter, not go too far. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what did you think about the game action? Not so much the weather action from uh, from last week. I think you hit it head on. They
3: won the game. They stayed relatively healthy, but it was really hard to take anything away from that, just because they never really got into a flow. The weather wasn't fantastic. I did like seeing them come out of the one delay and going deep down the field right away to Nico Regani. I thought that was kind of unseen or unheard of from the Iowa offense so far. But they they didn't set the world on fire. But they also shut Nevada out. The offense looked a little bit better. And you give Kirk Ferentz a little bit of credit. He did say that they needed to get some guys back and healthy, and things would look a little bit different. Things looked a little bit different last week.
4: It was 17 to nothing in my book. Because <laughs> <laughs> after 17 to nothing, I think you just kind of throw it out the window. Right. Um, Iowa did a few things there at the end uh, to get the, the 10 extra points. Uh, things you take away, like Todd said, people came back. That was good. Uh, Don't know about Keegan Johnson going into this week. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the defense was still magnificent, stellar. Special teams were very, very good as well. Torrey Taylor had another uh, big night setting up (laughs) Punta Palooza coming up uh, on Saturday. (laughs) And, you know, they did what they should have done and wasn't spectacular. No one thought it was going to be. And now you get ready for the real season, as Kirk Ferentz likes to put it.
2: Yeah, I think under the circumstances, i.e., the weather situation, I'd give Iowa a passing grade. Did we learn a whole lot? Well, Caleb Johnson's got some skills. Mm-hmm. Spencer Peters threw the ball downfield. I thought better, and he should have against a, a very poor Nevada team. But again, considering the three delays, twenty-seven nothing would forty-one to nothing have sounded better to people. Uh, and people would believe that Iowa is more back than they are, I still don't know whether they're back.
0: Yeah, tough to take anything away. I'll just echo everything that was said. Uh, You know, the offense scored three whole touchdowns, so you have to feel good about that. But again, it's kind of like what we talked about on last week's show. Uh, You know, you scored three whole touchdowns against one of the worst defenses in in FBS. Uh, And if you play that full game, uh, maybe you do win. Mark, like you said, 34-0, 41-0, Thirty-four, nothing. Forty-one, nothing. Maybe, uh, you know, a little bit more than that. You get a couple more scoring opportunities if there is some sort of uh, some sort of game flow. You think of a, a pick six. It was Terry Roberts, right, who had mm-hmm. another opportunity at a pick six, yet it was called back for uh, a, a penalty. So, uh, if that stands, maybe it's a little bit different game. But uh, signs of progress. I think we can all agree that's that's good, especially the offensive uh, side of the ball. Um, and now it's a point you're going into this game against uh, uh, Rutgers, a very winnable game. Uh, you know, a chance to to build some momentum uh, because you got a really challenging Big Ten slate ahead. It, it's it's much more challenging than last season. That's been well documented. Uh, looming on the horizon is Michigan. You've got Illinois coming up. You got Ohio State coming up. Of course, uh, all your Big Ten West uh, rivalries. So this is an important game, guys. For for the Hawkeyes to come out and uh, keep the ball rolling
2: in the right direction, right? It is, a, but it's going to be a challenge. I mean, you're talking about um, an East Coast game at night. Um, now, there's we can get into you know Rutgers' quarterback situation and whatnot, but the bottom line for me is that defense travels, and Scott referred to the the punting punt to palooza Duel, so to speak. <laughs> I don't think either coach wants a, you know, each punter to punt 10 times. That may happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, I keep thinking of the Iowa defense and how well it's played, and Iowa may not have to do much offensively in this game. Uh,
4: another thing that I, th- I think we can take away, and getting ready for the Big Ten, I think we're going to see even more. We will see LaShawn Le- Williams coming up uh in the game on Saturday night but uh Caleb Johnson kind of had his his coming out moment I think uh, as far as the Nevada game is concerned and I think it it's not even a, a, a question of Kirk Ferentz having uh confidence in that young man he does mm-hmm. he's going to play and he may he may be the number 2 guy now uh he may be running back 1B in this equation uh, at this present time. And, hey, the more skill guys you can have, the better off you're going to be, especially with an offense that struggled like Iowa's has. So, you know, I, I think that was a that was a big positive, I think, getting out of the Saturday game against Nevada coming into the Big Ten season.
0: Yeah, Caleb Johnson, like you mentioned, uh, his first career 100-yard game First, the two touchdowns, a 40 yarder and a 55 yarder. So, a big performance. Uh, uh, his first action, you know, definitely a promising uh, promising uh, note uh, from that uh, Nevada game uh, last week. And obviously, you know, this is uh, the Big Ten opener. We mentioned that before uh, going into uh, a tough Big Ten slate here, but it's also the Hawkeyes' uh, first road game of the season. You've played three games within the friendly confines. Rutgers, you know, it's 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 a solid atmosphere. Uh, it's not, you know, similar to playing in the big house or, or the horseshoe like you're going to see <laughs> later on this season. But uh, Kirk Ferentz is aware that uh, they're going into this uh, this uh, road contest facing. Uh, Challenging opponent in uh, in a road environment for the first time this year, and he was asked about that earlier this week.
1: It's a challenge, you know, but that, that's going back to the conference. When you're in a conference, I think that's just part of the typically part of the weekly routine. Or you know, you can't you can't be good in your conference if you don't win on the road. That's first and foremost. That's true with non league or in league because uh, you're going to play on the road. You know, typically close to half your games and then you know, in conference play you can expect it to be a, a good environment and uh, I think we're going to walk into one this week uh, certainly. You know, I know they're, they had a bunch of people go over to Philly last week to watch their game against Temple and uh, we expect the place to be, be packed and be loud and um, you know, I'm old enough to remember the big game Rutgers-Louisville. I think it was on a Thursday night. Um, I remember watching that game and it was two really good football teams and it was a, you know, somebody watching from Iowa City. It was a great football environment. You could tell that and yeah, we have to be prepared for that so you know it's just going to really test our ability to concentrate and the more younger guys you have out there uh, the more that's a challenge i think
0: kirk ferentz from iowa city earlier this week weighing in on the road environment and uh i saw some discussion guys we can talk about this uh, uh here for a few minutes The iowa going into a tough east coast road environment we saw this last year against maryland and uh, you know, I think there was some thought that maybe, oh, this is going to be a tough game. Iowa might might lose this one, but you're looking at back at what happened in that one. And the Hawkeyes came out, uh, played great defense, and did what they had to do is set up the offense for some easy fields, uh, or for some short fields for some uh, some easy touchdowns in that one and one going away. I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen here, but... We saw that happen last year with uh, the Hawkeyes and, and Terrapins, and certainly that is a possibility uh, for for this contest against Rutgers, right, Todd? Yeah, and there's still some unfamiliarity
3: here. Iowa's only played in Piscataway one time; it was in 2016, so nobody has experience going there. It still it's going to have the feel of a almost a non-conference game being played on the road, which, mm-hmm. and then you add in at night. I think the big difference here to the Maryland game last year, and I was an idiot that thought Iowa was going to be in trouble last year going to Maryland and then with six interceptions or whatever and things changed. I think Rutgers is going to do a much better job of, of preventing Iowa from taking advantage of the short field like they got in Maryland last year. I mean, this is going to be a field position battle unlike any we've probably ever seen.
4: This is also a page, as Mark likes to say, this is a page seven game. Coming up. In in that area of the country, yeah. (laughs) Because you've got Aaron Judge chasing history. Right. Red Sox-Yankees that weekend. Giants, even though Chris says they're still lousy, are 2-0. Jets with a 21-point comeback against the Browns. Iowa Rutgers is not at the very top uh, as far as uh, New York area uh, eyeballs are concerned. Maybe that'll help. Maybe the Rutgers people that come are going to be... uh, Going to be uh, tough on the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll see.
2: Todd's quite right about uh, the fact that uh, Iowa hasn't played at Piscataway since 2016, and the fact that none of the guys on that are making this trip mm-hmm. uh, have not have experienced it. And we had Steve Politi of the Newark Star Ledger on the gym class earlier today, and I know Todd, you you guys had our Rutgers folks as well. And we asked him about the atmosphere, and he expected to. Do, to be what, forty, fifty thousand? Yeah, right in there. Um and the fact that it's a night game, chance to have a couple beverages. And uh, I would expect it to be yeah, maybe not a Kinnick Stadium type environment, but pretty good environment on the road.
0: And we know there's going to be quite a few Hawkeye fans. Uh, there was uh, a lot of news coverage this week about uh, Nico Regani, or do we have to say his name the, the different Nico, way? Nico. We
4: just call him Nico just, now. Just Nico. Okay. Yeah, well, it's Nico.
0: I think everybody can still call him Nico Regani. It was more of, more of a suggested uh,
4: pronunciation. Was he kidding
2: about that,
0: Todd? <laughs> I, wasn't,
3: I wasn't standing there for that portion of Reganini. his... Reganini. <laughs> I think he may have been trolling
2: just a little bit. But. Italian pronunciation. I did we, see. We
3: take liberties in America, right? He did secure, I think, just shy of eighty tickets. Yeah.
0: for the game. So, uh, Chad Lystego did a nice piece about how uh, his family from Connecticut and uh, that that part of the country, you know, makes a point to come to Iowa City and, and go to his games, which is it's really cool to see. And there might be a lot of black and gold, a lot of East Coast, uh, you know, Iowa alums and just fans of uh, the program in general uh, going out there. But uh, it's going to be a different environment. I think you guys are right, though. This is only the third time they've met. And first time in in six years, going back uh, to Piscataway. I mean, George Kittle was still on the team when, <laughs> when the Hawkeyes last played there. And so uh, it's been been a while. So a little bit unfamiliar unfamiliarity there. Uh, another thing, another question mark with this Rutgers team is is the quarterback position. I know we've talked about that on all of our local shows this week. I was looking at their depth chart in their notes packet this week. Uh, Noah Vedral, the Nebraska transfer, uh, he's. Got some injury concerns. Evan Simon is listed as an or with Noah Vedril. And then there's Gavin Wimsett, uh, the sophomore. So there's three guys listed on their depth chart, all in bold. So do we know what we're getting, guys, uh, from Rutgers this weekend at all? I, I don't think you see
3: Vedrill, Uh Greg Schiano was on WFAN in New York on Thursday afternoon and said that he didn't think Vedral was going to return this week. So I think it'll be whimsit, but they talked on Tuesday in Iowa City. They're comfortable. They've seen all three guys on film. They're going to be prepared for all three guys, but I don't think Vedral's is going to play on Saturday,
4: Saturday night. And you could see some Wildcat, too. They talked about that yeah. a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I think anything's a possibility right now.
0: Rutgers, I uh, you know one of the keys to them is is definitely trying to establish the run, uh, and, and you know keep keep the football away from Iowa. Uh, make sure they you know play play uh, play. Uh, I don't know if it's keep away is the word I want to use, but keep the ball in your possession and uh, don't turn it over. Especially if you're Rutgers, those are uh, definitely some keys for uh, for them and and for Iowa too. Uh, prevent uh, prevent that short field that we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, in the program, so Rutgers uh, and Iowa, the Scarlet Knights looking to go to four and zero, uh, and they're they're three and zero on the season. But two of their wins, you take out the sixty six to seven win over Wagner, the FCS team, they've had to come back in both of their wins over uh, over FBS uh, teams, beating Boston College in Week One, twenty two to twenty one, coming back to win that one, and uh, last week going on the road to Temple did not score an offensive touchdown. Their only score. Uh, of the game, only touchdown of the game was a pick six off of Kurt Warner's son. Go figure. We got his jersey here in the studio. Kurt's son, our Kurt's uh, jersey, not EJ's uh, jersey. But uh, uh, interesting to see this Rutgers team how their offense uh, fares against uh, an Iowa defense that has uh, once again been the strong suit uh, of this of this team again.
2: Yeah, the quarterback situation. Uh, uh, it doesn't sound like Vedro is going to play. Um, I referenced. Todd's uh, comments and, and WFAN's uh, interview, uh, he's been hurt for, for quite a while. Hasn't played yet this year, and I think it's one of the bigger storylines right behind the punting duel. And how's Whoever the quarterback is, how is he going to perform against this defense that is lights out?
4: Iowa's defense, I think, has to be even more pinning their ears back this week. Uh, they've shown all year what they can do Uh, but they got a situation for a Rutgers team that does not have a solid number one quarterback and they can really really I think uh, you know impose their will uh, on Saturday night and I think they will impose their will on Saturday night
0: Todd, what do you think about uh, defense versus Rutgers offense this week?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a challenge to for either one of these offenses to get more than 14 points. But Rutgers is really behind the eight ball given their quarterback situation. And I agree. The defense that Iowa is going to bring to Piscataway on Saturday night is unlike the three defenses that Rutgers has seen so far this season. So both of these teams have challenges, and it's just a matter of of which team does a better job of overcoming them.
0: On offense for the Hawkeyes, guys, uh, we could rewind briefly to the Nevada game and look ahead to the Rutgers game. One of the big keys has been the improvement of the offensive line. Todd, you were there. Uh, did you see, again, We've established it's tough to take away uh, too much from uh, the game last week, just considering uh, there was no flow and all the weather delays and stuff like that. But when it comes to the offensive line, uh, did you see improvement from... Week two to week three that could carry over into this game this week?
3: At, at times, it wasn't as consistent as I think Kirk Ferentz would would like it to be, but they certainly looked a little bit better. They're still trying to find that right mix, and I think one thing that <clears throat> most people that have watched the team have noticed is that Tyler Ellsbury is really emerging as one of those guys that has to be part of that five-man rotation and he's got to be on the field a little bit more and we'll see them whether or not they choose to continue to mix and match and play around with the offensive line in a Big Ten road game but Ellsbury was really impressive or has been pretty impressive the last couple games
2: I'm going to be interested in how how, uh, Brian Ferentz and Kirk use the skill people Uh, we know Keegan Johnson is probably not going to play probably Um, but you have Arlen Bruce I was surprised. I don't know if anybody anybody else was that Spencer Peters went deep to Brody Breck of all people mm. two or three times uh, in the game last week. But at running back now you have a Sean Williams, Gavin Williams, um, Caleb Johnson. How, how how are all those three of those guys going to get the ball? And um, you know Breck now listed number one. Yeah. Um, Beveragini's back. That's a good thing, and Bruce and yeah, you know, that aspect how how uh, the skill people are used. I'm going to see what happens.
4: Yeah, and much like the offensive line, that you know the non-conference season is a lot of that is spent to see which five guys are going to emerge, and I think we're going to see that uh, as well coming up a little bit more solidified on Saturday night. It's also time maybe to start to see who's going to be the bell cow out there as far as uh, the running game is concerned, the guy you're going to count on. Is he going to play 100% of the snaps? No. Uh, That's not going to be the case. But you know what you got with Bruce? Is Brett going to be that guy now that's going to take the next step? Um, He's been in practice. He's got more of the playbook underneath him. Is he going to be that guy, especially with Keegan Johnson, uh, not expected to play on Saturday night? So it's time for some guys to step up. Uh, now that Big Ten season is here,
2: is Danan Hughes the last football baseball combination guy? Who am I forgetting? He's probably the most prominent, right? Foot, football most football prominent.
3: baseball. I think I can't recall anybody in between yeah. now and then. Bo Porter, who was more recent? I think Danan.
2: Danan. Okay, yeah, Bo Porter too. Hmm.
0: A lot of a lot of. Uh, Lot of time needed <laughs> to commit to both especially my point
2: being it's, it's, a, a, it's a it's a tough combination absolutely absolutely
0: i think the band-aid is off
3: with brody brecht at this point mm-hmm. that was kind of the takeaway that i had on tuesday was he didn't practice over the summer he was in clinton playing baseball then he had the hamstring injury they didn't really know what they had with him and then they got to the point where the offense was struggling so much that they had to see whether or not they could trust him and i think he's going to be integrated into that offense a little bit more. It's no longer he was away from the team this summer. He was a baseball player. still. I mean, he's a wide receiver right now for this football team. Mm -hmm. They need all the talent that they can get on the offensive side of the ball. And my takeaway Tuesday was I think we're going to see a little bit more of him. Maybe, I don't know whether you use him as a decoy at, at a little bit at this point, but I think they'll turn him loose on some of those deep balls. And like Mark said, you get Reganey back. Just give Spencer Petrus two or three options, not named Laporta, mm-hmm. and I think it opens everything else up for the offense.
0: Guys, we have somehow gotten uh, what twenty-one minutes into this podcast. We've only scratched the surface of the punta palooza uh, that is going to happen. And We say this kind of in a joking manner, but this is this is. In all seriousness, a punting showcase. Tori Taylor and Adam corsick they're actually friends, uh, both from Australia. Uh, I know Tori was asked about that, and uh, you know they, they talk to each other uh, pretty regularly. They wish each other luck, maybe not for this contest, but uh, all kidding about mm. punting aside, this is a Big Ten-focused podcast, so we have to talk about punting. We're required by law. FCC tells us you have to talk about punting uh, on a Big Ten podcast, but... How important is punting in this game, not just for Iowa, but for Rutgers? The field position is going to be a big part of this game, is it not? It's huge.
4: It's Just like Iowa, they didn't score an offensive touchdown last week. They're 3-0. and uh, Maybe they're doing some sort of t-shirt that says punting is winning. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but in order to have a 3-0 and start, in order to win games, you don't score an offensive touchdown you got to put the other team in bad situations. And, and Korsak has done that. Tory Taylor has done that. They've both been exceptional. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's weird to say. <laughs> You're not the only one. And, um, you know, th- this more than likely is going to be a f- low-scoring, ugly field position battle. And, you know, if there was a football god, it would probably rain. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say that. <laughs> uh, but... You know, he's Korsak is just as good as Tory Taylor. And if he starts pinning Iowa inside the tent, Iowa's going to get the medicine dealt to them that they've been dealing to others in the last
2: couple of seasons. Punting and special teams are big every game, let's face it. But in this game, probably it's ramped up a little bit. Listen, you can put these Taylors and Korsaks stats side by side, you couldn't help but be wild. But the one thing that stuck out to me is Corsack has punted over 130 times and never had a touchback. I mean,
0: that's impressive. That's really? crazy. That is just <laughs> bonkers, man.
3: <laughs> I mean, you add that in with the fact that Rutgers is a team that doesn't really turn the ball over. I think uh, they're plus 12 in turnover margin going back to 2020 so they're not going to turn the ball over and you're not going to benefit from getting lucky and having that ball bounce into the end zone when he's punting so if i was starting at the 10 or the 12 and it's just it's going to be one of those games where land is going to be critical if you get a 10 yard chunk on a on a, on a swing where you get maybe out to the 40 before you have to punt or something that could be the difference in the game today, which to, on Saturday night, which is really saying something, but I think both of these two teams they don't turn the ball over, play decent defense, have great special teams. Last time they went to Piscataway, it was fourteen to seven, and I think all of, we haven't done predictions yet. I'm guessing we're going to be all in that that range there again on Saturday night.
0: We'll get to predictions in just a moment. We'll take a look at the big rest of the Big Ten, some interesting contests this week, but we do want to welcome a sponsor of the Before the Boom podcast here on the program, Edith Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot. Proud to bring you Before the Boom each week uh, here at KGYM. They are a hidden treasure on the banks of Squaw Creek, serving up down-home meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Try their Friday night special of seasoned prime rib that's been smoking all day long. Or you can give their Saturday night special, Smoked Barbecue Brisket, a try. For great food and hospitality in a rustic, family-friendly atmosphere, come to eat at Lu- Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot. Carry out also available. Find their menu at baitshackfun.com. We thank them for coming aboard here on the podcast. Samples, please. <laughs> we, we can be bought and sold. Wait, no. I, FCC's not listening to that. I didn't nope, say that. No, you say did it. not. Nope, didn't say it it from the record big 10 uh scheduled this week uh gonna learn a lot about michigan i think this week maybe not you know a, not overly much but uh they're playing a better team than they have in the first three weeks the wolverines taking on the maryland terrapins that's your big Noon kickoff game uh penn state taking on central michigan from happy valley minnesota and michigan state uh, gophers have not been tested this week uh yet are the season yet, I should say. Michigan State coming off that rough loss to Washington. That's in East Lansing this week. Indiana and Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, of course, losing a lot uh, from uh, the team that crashed the playoff last year. Hoosiers are 3-0. and Kind of a tenuous 3-0, but they're 3-0 and uh, heading into Cincinnati there. Uh, nighttime game, Wisconsin. At Ohio State, I mean, <laughs> you talk about tough tests. That is one right off the bat for the Badgers. Northwestern. Looking to avoid three-state losses. They're only, last I checked, a touchdown favorite at home against Miami, Ohio. So uh, maybe the Cats are an upset alert for the third week in a row. And then uh, Chuck Sizzle and the Purdue Boilermakers. uh, That's Charlie Jones for those of you who don't speak. Gus Johnson. uh, Purdue is hosting Florida Atlantic for homecoming in West Lafayette. Anything jump out of the Big Ten schedule Uh, for uh, you guys.
3: Yeah, I think we'll find out whether Minnesota's a pretender or a contender at this point. Like you said, they haven't really been tested. They're 0-5 in their last five trips to East Lansing, Mm. so it's a place that they've struggled to win there, but I think if they can go on on the road, get a win at Michigan State, then you start taking them seriously as a Big Ten West contender.
4: On the other side of that, Michigan State. What happens if Minnesota goes in, boat races Michigan State, Mel Tucker... Got paid last year, remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly Michigan State's 2-2 two and two and looking a little shaky. So I'm with Todd. That's, my eyes are on Minnesota-Michigan State this week. I don't know I'm whether
3: not... you did that on purpose, the boat race, row the boat. Yes, I did. You... Okay. I did. I'll give you credit. I was either subtle or too
2: subtle. I'm with you guys because, frankly, the Big Ten West has not been all too good. Minnesota's 3-0, and, oh, and everybody else has suffered a loss. Northwestern loses to Southern Illinois, which had given up 66 to our favorite team, Incarnate, Incarnate Word. Word. Uh We know um, what Iowa's done. Wisconsin has suffered a loss, probably going to suffer another one uh, Saturday night. So, you know, right now, I, I agree with you. We're going to find out about Minnesota this week.
0: All right, prediction time. Hold your feet to the fire, what happens in Piscataway Saturday night? We will start with uh, our friends from the gym class, Scott and Mark. What do you think? Go ahead,
2: Mark. <laughs> going for the elderly?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was not saying a word. I, I think
2: Rutgers, with uh, you know a questionable quarterback situation, is going to have a very difficult time moving the football against this Iowa defense. I think Adam Korsak... Is going to pin Iowa at the one at least once, resulting in a rutgers safety. I've got this Iowa seventeen to five. <laughs> <laughs> Shit what was that the two thousand and
0: eight Cyhawk game? Andy Brodell going to come back and return a kickoff for a touchdown. Got to
2: think outside the box. Yeah. Come on.
0: I, I, I appreciate it.
2: Wow. I'm still waiting for that Kirk Ferentz Atlanta Waffle House story. But... <laughs> As am I. As am I. <laughs>
4: I don't know if we're ever going to get it. <laughs> oh, I'll get it out of it at some point. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly. Uh Iowa and. Rutgers without a quarterback scares me. 16-10, Iowa. Drew Stevens gets three field goals. Todd? Yeah, the total on this game in Las Vegas is
3: 34 points at this point. We had some statistics earlier in the week on local programming about what that usually means, and it usually means that you're not going to see a ton of points. As a matter of fact, the last time two FBS teams met and a total was 34 or lower, the final score of the game was 10-3. to So I've got this at 16-9. I don't know whether that's eight safeties, whether Mm. there's a uh, blown extra point in there or something. 16-9, Iowa gets the win and sets up a game against Michigan that is going to be really pivotal for, for them next week.
0: Uh, I'm. I, I. You were right earlier when you assume we're all going to be within a certain window. I'm going to say 17-10. Uh, I think the Iowa defense finally gets a touchdown uh, on the board. Uh, I think that might be the difference. In fact, will be the difference in the game in a seven-point game. Uh, but uh, it's. It's. I mean, it's not going to be the the prettiest game, uh, and uh, there might be more eyes on uh, on it just for the punting. That's How many offensive
4: up. touchdowns will be scored
0: in this thing? One each. I'm going to go with one each. Yeah. One each. Iowa wins the field goal battle. Though. <laughs> well, we're all in agreement. The Hawkeyes uh, will get the uh, the Big Ten victory and look ahead to uh, a pretty tough task against uh, uh, Michigan coming up next week. We will cover that on the program next week. But uh, for Scott, Mark, and Todd, and uh, producer Ben, I can't forget him as well. We appreciate uh, you checking out the Before the Boom podcast here from KGYM. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the college football weekend. KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom podcast.
2: Listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field.
0: Available on the KGYN app
2: or wherever you get your podcasts.